broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, if you want to go way back in the day, there was Wally Piff and Lou Gehrig. A little bit more recent history. In football, there's kind of Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. And here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, we may someday say it was Austin Lane and Noah Schlitzup. Or it might just be Brett Martineau and Noah Schlitzup. Maybe he boots me out of here. Who knows? Welcome to the Players' Championship, everybody. Brett Martineau, along with Noah, co-hosting, filling in for Action Sports Shacks. Austin Lane, who's on his way to fight. Uh, you did not have to pass a weight test at all to get in here. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, you don't have to fight your way on the air. Noah, welcome aboard, man. Happy first Players' Championship for you. Thanks. It's great to be here. It's been a great day here so far. I got to see some great golfers and, uh, you know, quite a few surprises here today. It's been fun, that's for sure. Well, you have to thank Mike Borish from CBS 47 and Fox 30. He dialed up a very good weather day, so we always do that. We blame him when it's bad. We praise him when it's good. So make sure you're watching Action News Jacks later tonight, you and the family, uh, for sure. But this is your first time at the Players. You're an Iowa guy. We're going to introduce you a little bit along the way, but we won't spend too much time right now doing that. We'll get into your background a bit and why you're on the show. But you're an Iowa guy, so this is real. you have the John Deere Classic in Iowa. Yeah. But this is a little bit different. And uh, you're from the Quad Cities area, so John Deere Classic right there. This is the best field in golf. No Tiger Woods, obviously no Brooks Kepka, but a uh, pretty cool site here at TPC Sawgrass. You've only lived in Florida for a year, so this is your first time. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, uh, Sergio Garcia, of course, has been fun to watch today. We got to see him a little over on the ninth hole. Uh, that was fun out there. you seeing Rory up close. You know, I got the video that I posted on Twitter. How about that? Just It's hard to smile today when I'm playing like this. Um, but it's it's always fun. You know, uh, when we had the John Deere Classic back in the Quad Cities, we'd have the Goodyear blimp out there. So I was wondering if we were going to get to see that here. But that was the one thing I always remember. I didn't get to go, but I'd always be able to see the Goodyear blimp because we were right across the river. That's awesome. You knew it was in town when the Goodyear blimp was here, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. So, hey, that's pretty cool. Goodyear blimp, I'm assuming, will be here. Of course, they have eyes in the skies all over the place. You saw the camera up above 17. Yeah. Right? You saw the the guy who boats out near the uh, mm-hmm. the next to the island green, but the other island green, uh, the, where the tree is. So you're learning a lot about the Players' Championship, and it's kind of cool for uh, Noah or any other first-timer because it's a little bit different this year. Obviously, we're not filled to capacity. Crowds are a little bit less, and you can really make your way around the golf course. You said it. You saw Rory McIlroy, and the, the video that Noah tweeted was a lady asked him, not Noah, but a lady said, hey, smile for me, Rory, and he had just made a birdie on number five, which essentially was his 14th hole of the day, but he had had a rough day. That got him to six over par, and he said, it's tough to smile when you're playing this bad. Uh, you also went over to see Sergio on the range, a lot of these guys practicing after, mm-hmm. and then we just saw Zach Johnson. He's one under. He's an Iowa guy, though. You had to make sure you see him. Oh, yeah, have to. Uh, Zach Johnson's kind of like that celebrity in Iowa. Not not too much anywhere else, but in Iowa, everybody knows his name. Uh, but you go out there, you see him, I told him a little go hawk, shot me a thumbs up, that was fun. But the other thing I noticed, like I was listening to your show the other day, it's like you see these guys up close and you hear them, like the shot sounds different than when you're just out golfing you, with your dad, with your son in your case. Like it's just, it's different and I mean, this is a beautiful course out here in front of the 18th hole. It's really a different experience here. It's beautiful. I know that 17th hole was fun. Everything here is outstanding. And you mentioned here with the lower capacity, it's a whole different experience, it seems like. And I wouldn't be able to know that, but, it, you know, I've seen it on TV. Like, you can tell the difference. 
Unless you're watching Jordan Spieth, because, man, everyone's over there. <laughs> yeah, you got the video. You said you actually kind of wandered over there a little bit. Sorry, Mom wandered off a little bit on his own, but we got it. Don't <laughs> worry. Uh, but, uh, and, and saw the crowd over there with Spieth, and that's a great pairing and grouping as well. they got some monster groupings, obviously some of the best golfers. Well, we mentioned Sergio Garcia. Give me an update on the Players' Championship. Sergio Garcia is in the lead, seven under par, of course, former champ here at the Players. What a round for Sergio, seemingly out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. the scoring in general for some of the big-name guys, Wow, like Rory, not alone. Tony Finau got off to a tough start. Kevin Nas already withdrawn, hit three in the water at 17. Not that he's the biggest of names, but keep an eye on that because uh, Sergio is a huge name, but he isn't one of the hottest names coming into this event. Uh, guys like Rory, who is the defending champ, really off to a rough start today. Uh, I'll give you another one. Henrik Stenson, former champ as well. 85 today, and the wind is down. Like the the conversation going into today was this could be a great scoring day here at the Players Championship because it might be the least amount of wind we get. There's a small breeze, but that's nothing for the Players Championship here at TPC Sawgrass. Yet some of these scores are really high. Good day for the locals. Billy Horsch had a triple bogey on the sixth hole, but still one under par. So he saved the round. He's right in the middle of this thing. Russell Knox at last check. He was coming home and he was one under. Uh, First-timer Tyler McCumber we had on the show earlier this week, even par. So a nice round for Tyler. Of course, his dad won it back in 1988. All right, we'll talk more golf along the way. Brent Martineau, Noah Schlicksup, he's here today until 5 o'clock with us, filling in for Action Sports Jack's Austin Lane, who is on his way to Orlando for a little fight uh, in the cage on Saturday. Let's get your thoughts on a couple other things. Big news today, Duke is out of the ACC. Florida State is on to the next round in the ACC tournament. Duke is done. They're not going to make the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting them to make the tournament, but I wasn't expecting them to do much. Uh, they, it, they, of course, you know, with the exit of their, you know, number one guy, I'm blanking on the name Jaylen right now. Jalen Johnson, yeah. Jalen Johnson, yeah. As soon as he left, it's like, they're kind of, I felt like they were done, but they fought back, and I like how they came together as a team, and they were playing really well. And it was looking like they were finally be- becoming what they were, you know, supposed to be, even without Johnson there. So it was impressive to see them, but you've seen this with UNI already, and there's going to be more for sure where, you know, um, it was unfortunate with the false positive for UNI. That's really unfortunate for them because they were heating up too. And it's really going to be interesting to see how this virus can affect the tournament because you look at what happened to Duke and you and I, those are two teams that were looking to punt. They weren't, you know, certain to make the tournament, but they were looking to punch their ticket and they were heating up. But then those situations come along and it's hard it's hard for the teams, and we're going to see more. Of like it. you said, Northern Iowa, Duke, those teams, they needed a good conference tournament. This mm-hmm. was a helper to get them potential. I saw Joe Lenardi's bracket, who we had on last week, and Duke is out. Like, they're not even in the tournament. We'll see what happens. But I don't think without the ACC tournament, they're going to get in. I think most people believe that. I think Duke is planning. In fact, the last I heard, that their season is over. So Duke Blue Devils out of the NCAA tournament, very interesting uh, situation. And that helps Florida State, of course, now. Florida State in the latest bracketology on a 5 line, which I thought was interesting from Lenardi, down to a five seed. We thought they could get three easy, maybe a four, and even jump to a two if they have a good ACC. All right, now he's got them on a five line, which I find interesting. We'll talk some more hoops along the way. You come from hoop country, and your Iowa Hawkeyes are playing pretty well right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was looking really good, I know. Uh, But Joe Wieskamp, of course, they need him back. He got hurt uh, against Wisconsin, and the 
I mean, he was having a really good game. He was 5 for 5 from deep, and then he rolls his ankle, and he's questionable. I don't think he's going to play the Big Ten tournament, and hopefully they get him back for the big NCAA tournament. I think if you're Iowa right now, you don't have to worry necessarily about the Big Ten tournament because they're already locked in for a good seed. Oh, yeah. They're going to make the tournament. They Right now it's more resting guys up while trying to, you know, Pull together. They got to get their defense going, and, and they have. But still, you're gonna face a lot of tough teams. They got Michigan in the bracket, Illinois, and Wisconsin. They're gonna face at least one of those teams. They're all really good offensively, and that's a good test for them because defensively, it's gonna be interesting to see how they perform against those types of teams. But also, if you're Iowa right now, you need to rest up. Make sure you guys are on the same page. And just right now, it's getting ready for the big tournament because they're looking to make a run. Who's back in Iowa for you, by the way, speaking of? I mean, you're like a star back in Iowa. I haven't told everybody that just yet. But uh, who's who's back there? Grandma, grandpa, relative? Oh, yeah, we got, got my pretty much my mom's entire side of the family is over there unless you go into, like, distant relatives there, you know, second <laughs> cousins and stuff. But, yeah, I got my aunt and uncle out there. I got my grandparents and then... Uh, my dad's side of the family is all over the Midwest, so it's uh, but we, you know, it's kind of fun going to those dinners, you know, with my uh, you know, mom's side. We're all Hawks fan. We we all talk Hawkeye, Hawkeyes, and everything going on there. We're all Hawkeyes, Cubs, same thing. Then on my dad's side, it gets interesting, cause we got relatives in St. Louis. Uh-oh. I was born in the Chicago area, so we're Cubs fans. We got like. Most we got half of the family Cubs, other half Cardinals. Got Brewers in there, so uh, it definitely gets interesting there talking sports. But <laughs> interesting Thanksgiving dinner. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you're all over the NL Central there with the Cubs and the Brewers yeah. and, the, and the Cardinals as well. So hello to everybody in Iowa. Our weather is a little bit nicer. Isn't yeah, it? I'd say. Yeah, probably just a little bit nicer. Uh, but they do have a little basketball fever there. Uh, listen, oh, yeah. you've been in Jacksonville a year. You've talked to Josh Allen before. You've interviewed him out at training camp. Uh, what uh, is your take on Trevor Lawrence, baby? Trevor Lawrence coming to Jacksonville. You love it? Yeah, I mean, it's great for the Jaguars for sure. I'm just interested to see how he'll do at the NFL level. Because you look at him against Ohio State there. He made a couple throws that are kind of iffy going deep. And I'm not completely sold on him being a superstar yet, even though most people are. i got to see him at the NFL level first. I think he's got the talent to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He's going to come here, and if he and if he does everything right, he's going to be the next big thing for the Jaguars. He's going to take them where they want him to take them. And they're gonna. It's gonna be interesting to see how he does, but I'm really excited. It's it's a brand. It's a great opportunity for Jacksonville. You see Urban Meyer coming in here along with Trevor Lawrence. It's great to see that, and it's also great in free agency and all these other places where you're looking at guys who are looking to make a change of scenery, and they're like Jacksonville's actually becoming like an option where they're on the rise. That's the place where it's like, oh, I want to be a part of that. That's that's a place where I can be a part of something special there. We've never won a Super Bowl here. So I think it makes it – it's not just from a standpoint of his play on the field, but it's also for players coming in and, you know, the city of Jacksonville. It's a great opportunity for the Jaguars. Noah Schlitz, if you watch your mouth now, you say Trevor Lawrence is going to be the greatest quarterback uh, of all time or uh, we're not going to keep you around here too much longer on the show. That's what you have to say all the time. Trevor Lawrence going to be great, going to be great, yeah. going to be the Hall of Fame. You make sure that. By the way, football-wise, what do they, they root for out in Iowa? Oh, is it Chicago? Is it the Bears? The Bears. A little Packers uh, front runners. Mostly Packers. 
Packers are the front runners there. You're right in the middle. So the Rams used to be in the mix, but now it's you know Vikings, Lions, yeah. even yeah. like Bears. Yeah, John Bachman's a Vikings guy. He's an Iowa guy, so that makes some sense. Yeah, it, I guess. it's kind of. And then there's also the bandwagon. Who's they're just gonna go with whoever. Yeah, we want people on the bandwagon. You get on the Jags bandwagon. Oh yeah, get on the Jags. Well, I mean, I moved down here, so that's my excuse here. <laughs> I I I was rooting for them last year when they were you know one and fifteen. There you go. You know, it's I'm just getting. Well, if you, into the if you made it through that season, the rest is all good. Oh yeah, the rest is gonna be great. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is gonna be the greatest of all time. Yeah, but, <laughs> true. Quick uh, learner here. Yeah, and then order. it's it's gonna be fun. You know, I got to see the Jags play the Texans this year. I got to go to that game, and that was super fun. You know, it, it's a great feeling, even with a limited capacity. But still, TIA Bankfield, that's a great experience. The fans are all into it, and I had I love the Duval chant there. I loved it. All right, well we'll see. We were just talking about that yesterday. Are they going nine oh four? Can we keep the Duval? Own it is the new expression for uh, Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The new mantra this year at least uh, that's what he is uh, preaching so far for the Jacksonville Jaguars interesting development out of the NFL today and that is did the Jaguars miscalculate franchise tagging Cam Robinson an Iowa guy Minnesota Viking gets let go yesterday Riley Reef and he's a good player now you have Eric Fisher available from the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. the Super Bowl champs from two years ago, back in it this past year, had all that trouble with Tampa Bay's defense, and they get rid of both their tackles, a lot of these cap casualties. Now, Fisher coming off an Achilles, so I'm not sure how much of a factor he would be going into this year anyway, but there's a couple of other guys out there now for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it makes you wonder. Some people believe anyway. Trent Williams still on the board for the Jags. They could still go get him, even though they uh, franchise tag Cam Robinson, but the Jags left tackle situation, in my opinion, has been solidified. The reason Urban Meyer and the Jaguars franchise tagged Cam Robinson, one, because they believe in him, they see upside in him, but also because they didn't see a lot available guaranteed. They didn't know if they could get Orlando Brown to trade. They didn't know if Trent Williams would end up here in Jacksonville or pick some other place. Uh, and I don't know if they really anticipated a guy like Reef being available because he instantaneously becomes well, right next to Trent Williams, a very well-accomplished left tackle where a team could invest in, and you might even say that's an upgrade over Cam Robinson. So that's just how it fell. I think that was a bit of a surprise in Minnesota. Uh, I think it might have been a little bit of a surprise around the league, but the Jaguars uh, are firm in their belief of Cam Robinson, and now they're kind of stuck in it, well, <laughs> whether they miscalculated that or not. Well, I think that, you know, Cam Robinson, I really like his play. Like, he's a good, solid O-lineman with a lot of potential. But here's the other thing you can do. You can, you know, do a little position change. That's another thing you can consider here if you're the Jaguars. But if I'm the Jagsman, I want Orlando Brown bad. That He's a young O-lineman, and he's already one of the best in the league. And, frankly, you know, with the most salary cap in the NFL and all these weapons that they have and, you know, a ton of draft picks, like, they're in the best situation in the NFL. That's a fact. And they have... They have the pieces where they can go out and get a guy like Orlando Brown. And I think if you have the opportunity to do that, you need to jump on it. Take that chance. And uh, that's what I think. Yeah, I think, uh, listen, we like that, too. We've talked about that on our show. I just don't think they thought they could pull off the deal. The Jags wouldn't have franchised Tag Cam Robinson 
if they thought they could put off, pull off the Orlando Brown deal. I don't know if they tried. Maybe they did try. Why wouldn't you at least see yeah. what was out there? Because you're right, the Jags had the capital. Some people believe, hey, Orlando Brown, I don't want to give up that first-round pick. But we played the scenario out where, hey, if you got Trevor Lawrence and you have Orlando Brown, you even had to give away that 25th overall pick in the first round. Well, if you got Orlando Brown for that, you're going to take that. You're solidified at left tackle. You can't get a value like that. And yeah, you're going to pay, but you got plenty of money. So, did they try to do that? Did they feel like they couldn't do that? Did they not want to give up what it might take to do that? We don't really know the real answers, but the bottom line is they did not want to get left hanging without a left tackle, yeah. and franchise tagging Cam Robinson allowed them to at least feel solid in the position yeah. and see where they go. And I don't mind the movie. I like the move of Cam Robinson because there was nothing else guaranteed. I still am, am firm in the fact that I just believe the Jags have now said, okay, we're done with left tackle. Unless it's a draft pick in the third round or somewhere else. But I don't think they're going to go say, hey, Trent Williams, here's a, here's the checkbook. Uh, Riley Reef, what do you think? What will it take? I just don't think they're going to do it. There's no sense yeah. for them to do that now that they're paying $13, $14 million to Cam Robinson. They're going to have to live with that decision now. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, with that kind of money, it's not like he's a backup plan by any means. No like, way. It's going to take, take someone really big to get him out of there. Like, Cam Robinson is our left tackle right now. But I still, you, you're going to see the Jaguars. They're going to get uh, O-linemen. They're going to get O-line. It, whether it's in free agency, the draft, I think it's po- quite possible they're going to do it in both. It, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But, you know, O-line is one of their bigger needs, and they're going to have to add someone there. But you mentioned that 25th pick there. I don't think they use that to – I think the only person they use that with, because you're looking at a guy like Christian Barmore in that spot. Yep, that's Defensive, where everybody keeps mocking, right? Yeah, that's what I – like, think about that on the Jags' D-line to go with Josh Allen. Like, a guy like that would be huge. But you you look at Barmore, and here's the thing that I think. The only way I'm giving up that pick is if I'm trading up for Kyle Pitts. Think about it. Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts, how you, about that? Hey, what is it? Something about this seat over here in Kyle Pitts. Doesn't matter who puts that headphone on. It's Kyle Pitts. Austin Lane all about Kyle Pitts as well. Listen. I like Kyle Pitts. I think it's going to take way too much to jump up and get Kyle Pitts. All right, uh, we'll talk more about that. We'll talk some other free agents. Uh, you, here's the deal. He said, Noah, you're going to come on the show a little bit. I need some ideas. I need some topics. Well, Noah has a list of topics. We'll get into Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson as well. Uh, Bill Barnwell from ESPN uh, had some trade scenarios for Russell Wilson. I want to see if you like any of those, Noah. But Noah also said, hey, free agency for the Jags. He's got a list of guys. So we'll go there in just a little bit when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A little bit more about your story, uh, and we'll get even to, uh, deeper into your story in the 4 o'clock hour. But uh, here's the deal. Here's how this all worked out. Uh, Ty's playing baseball at Creekside, uh, and I'm at a game a few weeks ago, and all these parents keep coming up to me. It's like, hey, are you listening to this kid broadcast the game? And I'm like, yeah, I can hear him. I'm like right behind home plate, and he's up in the press box area. And it's like, yeah, he's doing a good job. And so one thing led to another. After the game, I went up and introduced myself to uh, Noah here. And that was the first baseball game he'd ever done. And by the way, he did a fantastic job doing the baseball game. He loves the Cubs. He loves baseball. And uh, you can tell. He's, he knows all the lingo, the pacing, everything. He'll be a play-by-play announcer someday for a Major League Baseball team. But during that time, I tweeted it out, a little bit clip, and Austin said, hey, he might have to come co-host the show. Well, it turns out that Austin isn't here, so now he's co-hosting the show. That's how this all came about. 14 years old, 8th grader. He does his homework. 
He's got his own YouTube channel. What's the YouTube channel? Schlick Sports. Schlick Sports. S-C-H-L-I-C-K. Yep. Schlick Sports. And he's done interviews with a bunch of guys. The reason I have him on is just so he can help us land interviews. <laughs> I've tried to get Mac Jones on the show a couple of times now since the end of the football season. Noah's already had Mac Jones twice. <laughs> so maybe he can help us get some connections with Mac Jones and other people around the world. But, uh, hey, we're going to talk more sports. We're live at the Players' Championship. Sergio Garcia in the lead. Just a gorgeous day, and Garcia gets it done in a big way. Seven under par, 65, with a couple of Eagles as well. Garcia, your leader at the 2021 Players' Championship. We'll be right back on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. It's, it's, there's three islands and it can be very nice and lucrative, by the way. You could be a huge winner, but you could be a huge loser, too. You might not have a boat to get home. Austin Lane. Well, I like that now. I love that analogy. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I just want to know your thoughts on, like, are you guys the best college football team of all time? Yeah, I mean, I said that in my, my post-game interview, and I still I still back my statement. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I just really don't think you could say that anybody played. I mean, we didn't play any teams that were not in our division. And the SEC, just it's a fact. They get better players than other teams, and there's more money to back the programs and all sorts of things, better coaches. So, I mean, come on now. you got to be realistic with it. Um, and we had some close games, but at the same time, we came out and won every game. And beyond the wins and losses, I just feel like our team was just so, so great. And with the coronavirus, social, and everything that happened. So there's more to the story than people who look at the record and say, oh, of course they won all their games. But there's a lot more to the story, and I'm super proud to be to be on this team. Well, that is Noah and Mac Jones from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Noah schlicks up here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And like I said, right before the break, Noah can get Mac Jones. I think you've talked to him a couple times now, right? Yeah, Mac's, uh, he's always fun to talk to. I can talk to him the first time, and the second time around, it was like, I knew what to expect, so it's that much more fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's great to talk to. He's one of my favorite interviews, not just because he's Mac Jones, but he's a great guy to talk to. Uh, he's got some great stories, and he's fun, and uh, I always enjoy talking to the, you know, college people because they're not professional yet, like, they're not professionals, but, you know, they're always, you know, a lot more loose about it. They're not, you know, too used to it. Yeah, yeah. And I hear you, and no, I say that about high school kids a lot. Now, high school is a little bit different because sometimes they don't know to how to answer yeah. the questions, as you find out sometimes when you do your post-game interviews uh, down there with the Knights. Brent Martineau. Noah Schlick's up here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're live from the Players' Championship, brought to you by Talent Wealth Management. And uh, you did uh, have Mac Jones on. You asked him that question. Do you agree with him? Now, of oh, course, you're 14 years old. I mean, how, you haven't seen enough college football to know if they're the greatest of all time. But do you buy into what Alabama fans say about, hey, we're the greatest because we played an SEC schedule and, well, we routed everybody? I don't like the way you worded that, man. <laughs> I'm a reporter. I go back. <laughs> I know my stuff. I know my yeah, stuff. I, that's All true. Right? Um, so, so what team's I, better? I, none. You like them a lot, huh? I like them. You know, Alabama might feel the same. Think about it, though. That Ohio State's a really good team. People were saying Clemson. They destroyed Clemson. They go into the championship game. If they kept their starters in, I told Mac in that question, you guys cut it out. But uh, I said, if you kept your starters in, you guys could have put up 70. Yeah. Like, they they were unstoppable on offense. A dominant team. And think about it. You know, you got 
Devontae Smith, and think about it. They were doing that without um, Waddle. Waddle, yeah, yeah. Jalen Waddle. And, you know, John Mechie, he's very underrated. Like, their whole team together, like, Najee Harris, how about that kid? Like, he's insane. You know, and then Mac, of course, at quarterback, you know, it's it's hard to find any team that was as dominant as Alabama was this year. Yeah. Now, LSU, the year prior, might say, wait a minute. I'd love to see those two. <laughs> that would be a good matchup. And, and it's not too late either. I mean, they're, I mean, still, it's just last year. Get them together. Let's see that game. How about some ratings there? I like this. Seven-on-seven seven game, maybe. Oh, yeah. But seriously, I, I mean, you think about it, and, you know, Clemson hadn't changed that much. And, you know, Ohio State comes out, beats them this year. And I don't think LSU is as dominant as this Alabama team was this year. Now, that. I can say it's close, but in the end, I think Alabama overall, you know, with Devontae Smith having one of the best years a wide receiver has ever had, and overall, it's just, it's insane, you know, what they were able to do this season and how they were, like, overall, they were just dominant. That's the only way you can put it. And I think Mac Jones, the most interesting guy in the draft, maybe. Uh, Mm -hmm. Where does he go? Could he go in the top five? Could he go in the top ten? Could he be in the, you know, where people think he might be, more from 11 to 20, somewhere in that range? Or could people say, hey, mobility is an issue. We, we want a guy that can move. It's not a fit. And he jumps back out to, to later in the first round. I can't see him slipping to the second round. But I think Mac Jones, I've said this before, I think he's the most interesting player in the NFL draft in the first round. When you talk about mobility, though, he didn't run much. You look at this guy, he didn't run much. But when he did, it's not like he's, you know, slow by any means or anything. Like, he's a good runner. He just didn't have to. Yeah. But well, then again, he, there is... he even will say, though, he's not these he's kind not, of guys running the football. He's definitely not you know? anywhere close to Lamar Jackson, but he's solid in that standpoint. Well, he does a different thing. It's like Tom Brady. It's like the old Dan Marino stuff. He moves in the pocket well enough to avoid the rush. Yeah. But can he go pick up an 8- to 12-yard scramble? Are people looking for that? That's going to be the question about yeah, Mac Yeah, that's Jones. for sure. And, you know, the thing about Mac is you see you see this year, you know, he's got guys like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and John Mechie. He's got crazy amount of depth there at Alabama. And the thing is, people say, you know, hey, you know, he doesn't have that type of, you know, dominant team in the NFL. And it will be interesting to see, but think about it. Overall, these NFL players, they're all studs in college. They're all, you know, like the best in the world. But it will be interesting to see because he's probably not going to any, like, dominant team by any means. It will be interesting to see how he does without guys like Devontae. Uh, But, I mean, you look at the way he plays, he's very smart with the ball. I like that about him. He He's smart with the ball. He reads his progressions. And you look at him versus some of the other quarterbacks in college – like, you look at that game against Notre Dame, I'm looking at Ian Book there and Mac Jones, and the thing I instantly see is how, you know, Mac's just calm in the pocket. And you see some of the other college quarterbacks out there, and they're just dancing in the pocket there. Like, Ian Book is going 100 miles an hour in his brain. Mac's able to slow it down, read his progressions, and I like that about him. He, and that's going to bode well for him in the NFL. Because uh, if you're able to slow the game down like that and really 
read your progressions, read the receivers against some of the top quarters in the NFL, that's going to bode well for him. Yeah, I think so, too. And he can throw the deep ball. He's accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right, he won't have guys running wide open. He's probably not going to land on a team yeah. that's fully loaded. But he could end up, uh, it might be a beneficial situation for Mac to actually go further down the first round because then he lands on a team that might be closer to winning rather than going in the top ten in a rebuild. Sometimes yeah. you land in a very good situation. I always say this about the NFL, the draft really everything probably in life. It's all situational. Yeah. Would Russell Wilson have been this good in Jacksonville even though they picked up punter before him? Probably not. He still would have been good, but would he have been great? He ended up in a good situation in Seattle, a lot of time to mature. He's my favorite example of that. Uh, even Tom Brady, as good as Brady was early in his career, he kept earning his chance to play, but he wasn't the Tom Brady that he was 10 years later when he's carrying the Patriots. The defense, the running game, led the way for the Patriots early on in Brady's career. So it's all situational. Mac Jones could end up in a really good spot. He jumps in the lineup, even if he has to wait a little bit, and uh, he could be on a fast track whereas other guys are, are taking a long time to get there. Yeah, and i got a lot to say about Russell Wilson later, so we'll get into that. Yeah, I like that. But, a good tease right there. But, yeah, uh, you know, Mac, you know, landing in a good situation for him is going to be key because, you look, he's not Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields by any means. And he's a, re- he's a really good quarterback, but, you know, you look at – I'm wondering if Fields is going to be all right. You know, Fields and Zach Wilson, like, they're going to land with a – Probably one of them's going to the Jets, and I'm kind of worried about that. But then again, Sale is a good coach, but then it's the Jets, so you never really know. But I think uh, you mentioned Tom Brady there with the Patriots. It's very, it's a very, there's a very high chance that Mac ends up in that same situation with the Patriots. Bill Belichick is the head coach, and it's, it's going to be interesting because I feel like that'd be great for both, both of those. Um, you know, both, both sides team and player. Yeah. yeah, that's a good deal. Uh, hey, uh, Mike says this uh, back to the Cam Robinson front, and I understand this. They can rescind the franchise tag until he signs it and sign another guy. You're absolutely right. Uh, and, and here's the deal. Uh, going back to that franchise tag, the conversation right before the break was, did they miscalculate? I don't think, and I'd have to go back and look this up, and I don't think it's happened very often. I can't even think of somebody who comes to mind, but maybe it has happened more frequently, and I just haven't paid attention. How many teams actually rescind the tag? I think you you actually run into a situation where more the player holds out to sign that tag because he doesn't want to sign the tag than you do a team rescinding the tag. Not to say it hasn't happened. Uh, this, this window also gives teams an opportunity to work with that guy in a long-term contract. So in the Jags situation, does Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke, do they want to – this is why I don't think it will happen, Mike. This is why I'm saying this. And while I know you can do it and still chase a Trent Williams or Riley Reef, any of those guys, I don't think it happens because I think that looks like bad business. You franchise a guy, players already don't like that, and then you're going to rescind it before he has a chance to accept it or sign it. I think that goes down as bad business in the players' minds. And so that's not a good jumping-off point for this organization, maybe any, but especially Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke. So I don't think it happens. I've pretty much got Cam Robinson locked in. And the other reason why I think Cam Robinson should go sign it immediately, this is one of the few times where the franchise tag can really benefit the player. Cam Robinson, I think this is a win for him. 
He gets another year at $13.6 million. If he had tested free agency, he wouldn't have got a monster deal. Well, if he goes and plays the best football of his life and ascends, the Jags are going to buy into that, give him a huge deal next year, and all of a sudden, you now look over the life of the next couple of years. Cam Robinson's making a lot more money. So uh, I think he should go hustle and sign that <laughs> franchise oh, yeah. tag if I'm Cam Robinson because I think it's a – this is one of the few times for the player it's actually a uh, really nice thing uh, mm-hmm. for Cam Robinson to be able to be in that situation. Yeah, quick, quick thought on uh, Deshaun Watson. We're going to get to Russell Wilson in a little bit, and I want to get there. Deshaun Watson, do you think he stays with Houston or not? I know there's a podcast out. Uh, Steve Weich does it. Um, I think it is Jim Trotter as well. I think I have the right gentleman doing a podcast. They had David Culley on, the head coach of the Houston Texans, and their thought after talking to him was he's as good as gone from Houston, even though the Texans have been very adamant that they're going to try to keep him. Uh, we got a couple weeks to figure this out, whether it's a draft or free agency. It could be the next couple of days. Deshaun Watson, he's staying in Houston, or is he traded away? It's interesting. Uh you know, Deshaun is – I'm a big Deshaun Watson fan, and I'm totally with him here. That organization is just, you know, it's in a tough spot. And I think – I mean, it's not really their fault who's there right now. I think we all know who that falls on. But, you know, you look – Deshaun, I'm with him here because he's in his prime. And he's just – he's a – he needs a different situation right now. And the Texans, I think, though, they're not willing to give up a generational talent like that. So it's interesting, and it's kind of hard to answer because we don't really know right now. There hasn't been enough you know, time or really information to really make a clear decision on that. But I, in the end, Deshaun's going to win one way or another. Yeah, I think you're and right. He's going to – he might even have to sit out, which is going to stink, and it doesn't really – bode well for players that sit out normally. How many players do you know who have sat out and come back and been the same player? Yeah, Le'Veon Bell is the most recent example. Mm -hmm. Not many players do it, and uh, Austin thinks that could be a possibility as well. I don't. I don't think he's sitting out missing football, missing earnings, any of that stuff. I think he gets traded away. I read his book. It's all on leadership, and I think I don't think he'd be the type of guy to sit out, but I could understand why. Because you don't want to be in that situation as a quarterback where this is like he's playing last year near top of the league as quarterback with a team that really isn't good at all. They wouldn't have won a game without him, in my opinion. Yeah, they were they were pretty terrible. Uh, by the way, you didn't tell me that. You you read the book on Deshaun Watson. You could have given us a book report today. Oh, I mean, man. it's is like you're in eighth grade, but yeah. you know, I mean, book reports are part of the. That'd have been a good thing. segment. Um, Homeschooling book report right here on the show on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. <laughs> David Culley, by the way, today also uh, met with the media in Houston. He's the head coach of the Texans, by the way. I know it's not a household name. Culley said uh, when asked about the Sean Watson committed to the Texans, Culley says, yes, he is. Reporter said, how do you know? Culley said he's a Houston Texan. <laughs> that's uh, I don't know if that's a firm commitment or not. We'll see what happens uh, along the way with uh with Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson, uh, you have some thoughts on Russell Wilson. Where does he end up? And did you see the trade scenarios? Would you do any of these trades when it comes to Russell Wilson? Brett Martin of Noah Schlicks up uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We roll on. Players Championship Sergio Garcia in the lead. The afternoon wave out there on a beautiful day in Ponte Vedra, TPC Sawgrass. Our Players Championship coverage brought to you by Talent Wealth Management on ESPN 690. 
I, I don't know. I just love it. You know, I've always said it. Valderrama and this course are two of my uh, my top favorite ones. For some reason, they just it just kind of fits my eye. Uh, I I see I see what I want to do pretty much every every hole. Uh, then it's a matter of doing it. But uh, but it uh, it definitely uh, feel more comfortable and uh, and I've done well. So that uh, all those things help. Yeah, absolutely. If you do well at a course, you like the course. What's really interesting is. Guys like Tiger Woods have won here twice, but he doesn't love the course. Sergio Garcia has won here once. He loves the golf course. It fits his style. There's just something uh, that's good to his eye on this course, and and that's not always the case. There's a lot of guys out here that just don't love the fit for their game, for their eye. It's a totally different thing. Sometimes their mentality, and if you're not in form, you're not going to play well. Sergio Garcia plays well. Shoots a 65 in the opening round. He's got a three-shot lead over Matthew Fitzpatrick. Connors is tied for second. Lowry is royal. Stricker, what a nice round, through eight early on. Lee Westwood, three under, shoots a 69. And then you keep going down the list. you got a bunch of guys at two under par. Uh, your guy, Jordan yeah, Spieth. He's my pick to win it. And, uh, I, I mean, Jordan Spieth, you know, I'm out here, and I went over and watched him for a couple of holes today. Man, I couldn't see half of the time. I, I had to squeeze through a couple people and uh, just to see him, and it was insane. Like, this guy, if he starts winning, it's just going to be like Tiger. It's so good for the game. I agree and with you. he's really heating up, though, uh, placing the top five four out of his last five times out. Like, he has a real shot to win here tonight, today. He's had some good shots so far. Um but you mentioned in that interview there the course what they love about I was talking to Chris uh Kirk Chris Kirk yes keep thinking miles there for some reason <laughs> Chris Kirk's good yeah, enough Yeah Chris Kirk uh, I was talking to him range, earlier yeah. he says he loves coming here cuz they always he always comes out with his family and his family loves this his he loves coming out playing the course and uh he was just going off to tee off he was super excited so uh it's always interesting to see these guys here and uh, you know tiger not liking this course i could see that but it's it's sort of it's made for dustin johnson honestly i think someone had dustin johnson in mind when they designed this course well he hasn't fared well on it we'll see if he does here uh this week dustin johnson out on the course right now i'm trying to find dechambeau by the way one under par uh billy yeah. horschel one under par phil mickelson nice round this oh, morning yeah. one under par that's a little bit out of nowhere dustin johnson's even yeah. so that's fine uh, listen if you're even keep in mind sergio garcia seven under par everybody else is four under or less yeah. so if you're around even par it's a good round today they're just looking to make the cut even though we're a little surprised that the scoring isn't maybe a little bit lower given the conditions beautiful yeah. day Brent Martin alone with Noah Schlicks up. He's in for Austin Lane. Uh, more on Noah's story coming up in the next 10 minutes or so. But I want to get into this real quick. Russell Wilson, uh, trade scenarios. Bill Barnwell had, uh, uh, listen, uh, some different scenarios. There was four of them, in fact, and I sent them to you. So now I'm going to find them. Uh, here we go. What do you like? Do you like any of them? Trade scenario number one, Seahawks with the Dolphins. Seahawks get Tua. Uh, number 18, 81 overall pick in uh, 21. They also get a first-round pick in 22 for Russell Wilson. Do you do that if you're in Miami Dolphins? Three picks, two first-rounders, and Tua for Russell Wilson. No. Heck no. 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 Here's the thing. Russell has a big contract, and he's 32 years old. He Next year, he's going to... 
the team's gonna that has him is gonna owe him nineteen million dollars, and he's thirty two years old. The Dolphins aren't a complete team yet, so they're giving up those first round picks for a thirty two year old quarterback. And I get it's Russell Wilson, but in that situation, that's too much you're giving up, I believe, for Russell Wilson there. And Tua, you know that he's Tua, like he's their guy right now. I'm not doing that if I'm the Dolphins. If All it's right, Deshaun, you're not giving up on Tua. If it's Deshaun, I'm doing that, though. All right, yeah, very interesting. I like that. Seahawks uh, get Marcus Mariota. This is option two. Darren Waller, the fantastic tight end. Uh, first-round pick in 21, first-round pick in 22. Chase Winovich, a defensive end, and a 22 third-round pick. So one, two, three picks, two of them first-rounders, plus Mariota and Waller for Russell Wilson and a pick. You know, I actually think, I, I oh, by the way, this one sends Derek Carr to the Patriots as well. Yeah. So the Raiders are getting Russell Wilson, Seahawks get Mariota, and the Patriots get Derek Carr. See, the, the key for the Seahawks here is they're looking to create some cap space. Because Wilson, a huge his, contract. his contract is, like, that's the reason Richard Sherman's not on the Seahawks right now. Yeah. And, I think you it's know, like $39 million I did a trade. I did. I wrote down three trades that I would do. I think it's a little overvalued here. But All right. I, I think. What do you got? I, Raiders get Russell Wilson, and it's pretty simple. Seahawks get Mariota, uh, 2021 first-rounder, and I do think they get a first-rounder, but not multiple. And then 2022 third-rounder, and then maybe Darren Waller. But you look at Winovich, that's another really solid guy. They're giving up three studs there, and I think that's a little too much. You know, I would be willing, if that's what it takes to get the deal done, put Waller in there, but if you're going all with that, you're also trading Carr. Please come back, paper. <laughs> if you're also trading Carr there, that's just, you're giving up everything and kind of restarting that quarterback room, too. I think if you're the Raiders and you're trading away, Mar- you're trading one of them, Mariota or Carr, and you're sticking with the other. At least until you get a young rookie who you like. So basically, if you're the Raiders, you're saying, I don't want Russell Wilson, uh, essentially. Uh, I got another offer on the table here. Seahawks get Brian Burns from Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, pick in 21, first-round pick, first-round pick in 22, and a first-round pick in 23. Nope. Seahawks get three picks, an edge rusher, and Bridgewater, and the Panthers get Russell Wilson and a second-round pick. See, that Stafford trade I thought was just too much. Uh, I, I think these guys are all, like, 30-plus years old, and I, I get Tom Brady. You can play for a while at quarterback. I get it. I get it. But then again. I mean, I know 32 sounds old to a 14-year-old, but hey. I mean, I'm just not doing that. I'm just not taking. You're trading away three first-round picks there. That's the future of your franchise, and you're trading it away for a 32-year-old. He's staying there for five more years. i tell you what. To offer number four, Seahawks get Sam Darnold, Bradley Chubb, the Ninth overall pick in 21, a 22 first-round pick. Broncos get Russell Wilson, third-round pick and a fourth-round pick. Jets get this is really <laughs> Jets get Tim Patrick, like uh, fourth-round, third-round. Everybody's getting a bunch of stuff, and Chicago gets Drew Locke. So I'll tell you what, I don't know if I like that one for the Seahawks as much as I like the other three. Yeah. The other I three favor the Seahawks really. Like yeah. you almost have to think about it if you got this kind of scenario. If I just you don't get know this people kind of scenario, if you're the Seahawks, you take it. Wilson. If you're, but if you're these other teams, that's just too much. If you're the Dolphins though, and you have this good a defense, and you could get Russell Wilson at almost any cost, would you consider that the way they were close to the playoffs last year? It's got to make you think. Alyssa, Russell Wilson has a good six years left in him, in my opinion. Thirty-two. He's got a lot of time left. Build up that offense around him. That would be really interesting. 
uh, from the Miami perspective. All right, we take a break. We'll come back live from the Players' Championship, give you some updates. We'll get into Noah's story a little bit more. A very cool story for him, why he ended up in Florida, and how he's pursuing this dream of broadcasting along the way. It's coming up, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from the Players, brought to you by Talon Wealth Management. 